budgeting, cash flow, and investing don't have to be scary words. The We Talk Sense podcast is here to help you learn more about money and take control of your personal finances. The We Talk Sense podcast is not a financial advisor. This podcast is made for entertainment and educational purposes only. All information shared is of a general nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate for your needs and where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor. For more information, please check out wemoney.com.au slash disclaimer. Welcome to episode number 27 of We Talk Sense. I'm Dan, your resident finance expert. G'day, Dan. Um, I'm Blaze, also joining you, a millennial who's pretty awful with money. Well, used to be pretty awful with money. Uh, today's date, if you're tuning in on release day, is the 4th of May in 2021. Do you want to do the big reveal, Dan? Because I personally am super excited about our topic today. Um, but yeah, do you want to reveal what it is that we're discussing? Well, Blaze, it's a topic that affects us all. We're all we all pay it, whether we like it or we don't. It's a hidden thing that pervades us through life, and it's the topic of loyalty tax. So we're going to be delving pretty deep into the hidden costs and charges we all pay as consumers for goods and services that we may or may not use or review at a very regular uh, frequency. I'm very excited about the topic too, Blaze. Yes, I am so excited to talk about this. Loyalty tax, just saying it makes me want to shake my fist at the sky because it is such an unnecessary charge. <laughs> and you're right, we all we all become become guilty of paying this thing that we don't really need to pay for. So yeah, I'm really excited. We have a special guest joining us to talk all things loyalty tax, what it is and how to avoid paying it. But before we get into that, as always, let's talk money news. Dan, what headlines have been capturing your attention related to money this week? Uh, some research from Eubank suggesting, and it's controversial, but younger Aussies are better than saving than baby boomers. So according to Eubank, about 70% of millennials are more likely to use a budgeting tool compared to about 66% of baby boomers uh, as a tactic to save money. And it was an encouraging sign from the researchers that younger Australians are prioritising saving, which, you know, I think dispels a lot of myth, myths, blaze around, you know, young millennials, Gen Zs, um, not being, you know, good with money. Uh, the research is telling us something different. What did you think about it? Oh, I have so many thoughts on this one. So the the title is literally that, like, millennials are better savers than boomers, right? And you, you mentioned the comment about the apps. First of all, as a millennial, yes, I use an app for budgeting because my parents, who are baby boomers, don't know how to. I got a phone call just yesterday from my father asking me how to attach something to an email. So there's no way that he's out there using a budgeting app, you know, like he wouldn't be able to operate it. So, of course, I, I, I do un- I do understand, you know, we're very much more uh, tech friendly. So I can understand definitely why more millennials are more likely to use apps than boomers. And then when it comes to the saving part, I mean, I can only speak from personal experience, but I think so COVID obviously changed the world and the way that we operate. For me personally, um, I'm not sure if I've admitted this on the podcast before. I've told you many times that I'm not that great with money, but literally until COVID happened last year, I had no savings. I had no emergency fund. I would live payday to payday. And that's just how I thought people lived. I did not know any better. And then when COVID happened, I was sort of hit with this 
harsh reality that, oh my gosh, Blaze, your paycheck is not going to get you through the next however long when you've just lost your job due to COVID. And that is so stressful. So COVID for me was definitely a catalyst in going, wow, I actually, I need my own backup plan. I can't just keep calling on um, my parents when I need, when something goes wrong, you know? So for me, that was a big change and um, becoming, I have become a saver since then and, you know, started managing my finances better, which I'm really happy about. And I'm wondering if, you know, millennials, we've talked about it before, they're moving away from credit cards, they're moving more towards options like Afterpay. If millennials are becoming, becoming better savers, that's awesome and I'm excited to see that change. I would be really curious to see if, you know, other people have been impacted by COVID like I have when it, when it comes to their mindset around money. I agree with you, Blaze. I think you're totally right. I think there is a form of necessity here for younger people to save more given circumstances uh, which are completely different generationally from baby boomers, and that's spot on. And I think your story is, is one of many. Like That's a really inspiring uh, vignette of people who have responded to circumstance and uh, really done awesome uh, awesome work with managing their financial lives. So it's it's for me the big thing that I got out of it is just positive all round uh, for mm. all parties. It doesn't matter what age you are, or whether you're a zoomer or a boomer. I think it's really <laughs> good that the um, the increased focus on people understanding their money is increasing. And you know what? I don't know about you, Blaze, but I think budgeting has become cool. I think it's become it's not passe anymore. Like going out and spending your your paycheck week to week. Uh, we've all been through those situations in life and for those who say that they don't, um, you know, you're the lucky, very rare few. Uh, for us, are yeah. the mere mortals that are living out there that have experienced money issues before, which is a vast sum of the population, uh, I think they're awakening to now like, you know what, spending a lot of money on things that we don't need, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not cool anymore and people are really focusing about their own backyards, which is awesome to, awesome to see. So I'm glad that we're dispelling the myths day by day about this avocado and toast generation. Yeah, I still love my avocado and toast, but you know what? Now I've got an emergency fund. Now I'm <laughs> doing some micro-investing. I'm taking baby steps and it's exciting. So, yeah. Well, the research from Eubank, that was really interesting. Um, if, you have, if you're a millennial or a boomer or a Zoomer or whoever and you were impacted by COVID, I'd be really interested to see um, how your budgeting or saving has changed if your personal finances have been impacted by COVID, send us a message on Instagram at getwemoney. Um, and if you're a millennial that thinks you're a better saver than a boomer, we'd love to hear from you too. I think it would be interesting to hear some more stories on this topic. Absolutely. All right, Dan, let's bring in our guest. Uh, it's time to talk loyalty tax. Let's do it, Blaze. Dan, you know I love my pop quizzes, and I think this one's pretty simple, but can you finish this sentence? One thing in life is certain. Death and taxes. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. You nailed it. But not all taxes, which is why we have a special guest joining us today. So... Joining us today to delve into the realm of loyalty tax and how to banish it from your life is a man with over 30 years of experience in marketing. 
mostly in areas of B2C, B2B advertising, direct loyalty and digital. He's co-founded two startups, Get Reminded, which is an app that reminds you of recurring purchases, and Repeat Booking, which is a platform for small and medium-sized businesses. He joins us now, tuning in via the internet from Sydney. Welcome the co-founder and director of Get Reminded. It is Tim Nicholas. How are you going, Tim? Thank you. Good morning, Blaze. Good morning, Dan. I'm going well. Looking forward to this chat. Yes, as am I. Tim, you know, death and taxes are certain, but the loyalty tax, we've talked a little bit about it on the show before, but what exactly is a loyalty tax, the lazy tax? Is it really a tax? Could you define it for us and and tell us the various names for this pseudo-tax that um, a lot of people end up paying? Yeah, thanks, Blaze. Look, it's not a tax in the traditional sense. It won't appear on an invoice or or any uh, piece of paper or document where you make a purchase. Um, It's really actually more like what we call a premium that existing customer would pay when they don't question the um, annual payment that they're about to make on an insurance policy or a mobile phone plan. So when that renewal time comes around, if you just accept the price that the provider gives you without stopping, questioning it, looking to see what else is available in the market, chances are you're paying over the odds. And that difference is is kind of what's colloquially called the uh, loyalty tax. A lot of providers know that switching to another provider can be can be difficult um, in some industries in some circumstances. So there's a little bit of uh, the providers trading on the basis that people just won't have the won't 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 make the time and the effort to 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 look around and switch to another provider. They also believe, in some respects, that if they're offering good service or maybe a, a reasonably good price, that again the consumer won't make the effort to look because uh, they're getting what they need from their current provider. So so when that all sort of gets added up, it's like, okay, I'm getting what I want. Um, I feel like I'm paying, you know, a sort of a fair price, so I'll just keep paying it. And that's where you can get stung and pay uh, a little bit too much. I kind of like to refer to it as the apathy tax. You mentioned, Blaze, the lazy tax. Apathy is potentially another word because it's usually paid when a customer is a bit apathetic about all the costs that they're paying for mm. a range of household goods and services. So if you're a little a bit apathetic about a lot of these things, the chances are you're probably paying a loyalty tax somewhere along the way. In terms of just quantifying how much people pay on the loyalty tax, what stats do you guys have in terms of what is the quantum? What's the, what's the amount that people actually overpay on certain products? Yeah, well, when you look at the, um, the numbers, they can be... Uh, kind of scary. They can be very large. So there's been a couple of government studies, ACCC studies that have looked into this. 2019, there was a New South Wales government study. They actually said that about 10 million Australian households, which is probably more than half, right, are affected by insurance-related loyalty tax. Um, Wow. And in that context, then they put a dollar figure on it. And I'm not kidding. They have indicated that this could be costing policyholders over $3.6 billion. So that's that what is it's huge. worth. So that's, that's, and that is just in insurance, mind you. That is not across all these other categories where it does apply. In the banking industry, uh, a similar sort of scenario where the RBA in 2020 actually did publicly state that lenders were charging 
many borrowers a loyalty tax and they were urging homeowners to shop around. And this is when uh, 2020, if you recall, that interest rates, especially on home loans, were really coming down at a rapid rate. The ACCC did a home loan price inquiry in late 2020 and they actually quantified it by saying that if you're on a home loan and you had your loan for less than a year, the differential might be quite small, about 0.3%. But then they sort of tiered it down to people who have a home loan of over 10 years and that Mm. differential was extended to over 1%. Now, 1% doesn't sound like a lot on a home loan, but as we know, every percentage point, ponent of that, the, the less you pay, the less you're being charged, the less your overall home loan is going to be. So if you've got a, a loan over 10 years old and you're probably just sitting with your bank and not stopping and thinking, you know, could I be on a better rate, chances are you're paying more than you should be. So especially right at this moment when home loan interest rates are at record lows. So that, that sort of specifies, you know, where insurance and, and loans and banking, where people are just sticking with their current provider and they're paying above the odds. The general research that we see indicates that about 75% of Australians stick with their current service provider across a range of all these services. So the majority of people are sticking with an existing provider, probably paying too much, And, you know, like you guys, it's all about being on a mission to help consumers be aware and be more knowledgeable and give themselves the opportunity to start shopping around. The industries that they, you know, if you've got a service in these industries that you um, are on a contract, you really need to shop around. And that's energy, that's mobile, it's insurance and it's banking. And with banking, it's especially loan products and, and home loans in particular. So, you know, in a nutshell, there's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of money going back into providers' pockets that could be coming back into consumers' pockets. And, uh, you know, that's what the loyalty tax really does mean in dollars and cents for people. If we're overpaying in so many of these different industries, why are we doing it? Is it because we're lazy? Is there any, like, underlying psychology as to why we end up paying? Is it is it that we're being tricked by these providers why is it that we so often end up overpaying? Is it a lack of knowledge? What What's the driving cause, do you think? Yeah, well, look, I think you, you've, you've touched on a few of them that are, um, you know, valid for a whole range of different people. And um, because, you know, human nature is what it is, that we all act in different ways when it comes to um, these sorts of things. And, you know, people will react differently to, uh, you know, getting a speeding fine or, you know, being late Mm. for a meeting. So it's the same sort of behaviours. How do you train yourself to ensure you don't speed or you don't get late to a meeting? In the case of this loyalty tax concept, there is a large degree of apathy and laziness that does exist out there. But I also think there's a degree of um, shyness or anxious or nervousness on the part of people to actually make that phone call and talk to a provider and ask them for a better deal. Right? So that is a little bit intimidating for, for a lot of people. And, and, and we'd encourage people to you know, look for techniques and uh, ways to be able to overcome that, that, um, that type of behaviour. Um, you've also got this other um, factor, which is probably more of a you know, 21st century thing, is that we're all so busy and we've got so mm-hmm. much going on in our lives and you know, short attention span. So our whole 
being is being sort of um, you know bombarded with uh, the, the, the world around us and and our daily tasks and our and our big commitments. So in yeah. a lot of respects, I think you know people just push it to the back of their mind. It goes to the back of the drawer, um, and then hey, they just uh, don't you know the time is up to make that payment, and they go you know ah. Uh, damn it, I'll just do it. Don't even stop and think mm. about it because to give themselves the time to do that little bit of extra shopping around is is kind of time they don't have or they don't want to make for themselves, so they don't do it. So, you know, so you've got these real uh, combinations of factors going on and for some it might be a couple of them, but for other people it may be just simply one of them and one of them is the driving force behind why they're not shopping around. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, it comes down to a lot of convenience. It's convenient to just keep doing what you're doing because nothing has to change. And then, I mean, as a millennial, this is me speaking for myself, but also to, you know, there's a meme at the moment where as a millennial texting someone back and then they start receiving a phone call and they freak out and throw the phone away because we don't like confrontation. So, you know, I suppose there's the element of it's convenient to just stick with what you're doing. And then also, if you want to avoid the confrontation of going, hey, I think I might actually be paying too much, or hey, I think I could be getting a better rate, you have to sort of have the right tools, I guess, to approach either your current provider or a new provider to to find yourself a better deal as well. So convenience and confrontation would probably be major ones holding people back from a uh, getting themselves a better deal. Yeah, it's a nice kind of alliteration, the convenience of it and, and, and the um, confrontation of what am I, you know, how am I going to cope with this circumstance? Um, and that confrontation might be an internal one, you know, you're kind of tussling with your own emotions and, and what you've got going on in your life at any given time. So, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one and getting uh, helping people to get the tools to be able to, to manage this, I think, is something that um, is, is a really valuable opportunity. The more I think about it, I mean, this this topic of lazy tax has been covered by uh, We Talk Sense and, and talked about extensively by other people. And uh, I think if I just, you know, really take some of those numbers, $3.6 billion on insurance, uh, we know here at, at We Money that about 75% of people are overpaying on personal loans, about 85% are overpaying on home loans. This is a massive amount of money that Australians are excessively paying when they could be spending that money doing better things in their life. And to your point that you've just touched on, I mean, now technology is making things a lot easier for people to get a better outcome or even understand uh, the amount they're overpaying with their current providers. Tim, before we get into the steps to negotiate a better deal, I just wanted to take a pause here and, and maybe ask you a question. What does this mean for the industry? Do you think uh, as the ease of uh, looking at better deals and switching around, what is this going to mean to the business models of some of these providers? Because their business models rely on people paying the lazy tax. Mm. If we don't pay the lazy tax, some of these businesses may not survive. What are you, What's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, they're big businesses, Dan. They're really, you know, we're talking about, you know, multiple you know, multinationals or, or national corporations that, that make a lot of money anyway. So even if, for argument's sake, you know, if even if we could help, you know, the 10% of the people to look at getting a better deal, I don't think it's going to affect the bottom line of those businesses too much. What I do think, though, it's going to make those customers potentially even more loyal to their existing customer, their existing um, service provider. Because if they, if they do... Uh, you know, contact their existing provider and they do manage to negotiate something better for them, I think that engenders more loyalty. And it's really all about, you know, how do you 
how do you keep those existing customers, not spend uh, you know, so much money, time, effort uh, marketing to acquire new ones when you've got already quite a large and successful cohort of existing customers. So um, at the end of the day, you know, the, the pool is still growing larger. The, you know, our population's growing. Um, you know, everyone is, is doing the same sort of things. We still need banking. We still need mobile. We still need energy. Um, it's just getting potentially dispersed across um, a few more providers. But I, look, personally, I can't see the business model of those, those big providers being challenged by this. I think it might knock some of the cream off there their profit margins but <laughs> I think the cake is still a pretty sizable cake for them to um, to, to stay in business and operate profitably and successfully. They could stop eating cakes and maybe just uh, start eating some biscuits <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah exactly. Tim it's interesting how you mentioned about um, customers becoming potentially more loyal through this process and I would say so a, a couple of episodes ago we discussed phone plans and whether or not prepaid or postpaid was better value mm. and um, I'm a prepaid gal and I actually took that episode as an opportunity to go hang on am I getting the best deal with my phone plan contacted my provider did a little bit of research realized I wasn't on the best deal even though when I signed up you know five years ago I was. I went on the web chat and we you know within 15 minutes I'd they'd offered me a deal that wasn't publicly available. I was saving $10 a month, which is $120 a year, which was fantastic. And after it, I came out feeling like a total winner. I was like, "Heck yes, I don't really have to do anything. They've automatically changed it for me. I'm saving money and now I'm definitely on the best deal because I did my research." And I'm, I feel more loyal to that company and I've, I'm, I'm more excited to be part of their company even though they were just ripping me off a little bit, you know? So it, it's it's an unusual yeah. thing in your brain, but I still feel like a winner. I'm like extra 10 bucks every month, you know, I can invest that or buy myself a milkshake. So it's it's interesting the psychology behind it, I, I find. You've encapsulated it very well, Blaze. You really have. Your particular circumstance just sums up the... Um, uh, the, the problem of the loyalty tax on the one hand and the potential solution on the other and the feeling that you get if you come through that and you've actually achieved something that saved you a bit of money. Yeah, it would have been nice if, you know, if I worked for them, I would be suggesting that they contact their customers like myself and go, hey, Blaze, you've been really loyal. Um, why don't we offer you a better deal rather than me having to initiate it? Like that would have made me an absolute number one, their biggest fan. Um, but I still feel like I've won even though I did have to approach them myself. Yeah, I think that's the missing ingredient, actually, what you just touched on, was they won't contact you. You do need to make the effort to reach out to them. Yeah, if they did that, oh, my gosh, I'd be probably getting their logo tattooed on my arm and be, <laughs> I'd be their biggest fan. <laughs> um, Tim, when it comes to actually, when it comes to, stopping paying the loyalty tax, say you want to negotiate a better deal, what are the steps? How is it best to approach your current providers? Is it best to look elsewhere straight away? What are your suggestions on on cutting it out? And yeah, how often should you do so? Well, firstly, I'd say uh, just everybody should realise and accept that asking for a lower price or or what's your best deal kind of question shouldn't be something to be embarrassed about like it's not Mm. it's not a thing where um you know you're in the um you know in in the in the adverse position 
you have to be confident that you are the customer and as the customer mm. you actually do have a degree of power in that relationship um, mm. even though they might not want you to get the sense that you do so you know carry that confidence with you when you make the contact um, secondly I'd say um, and you touched on this blaze before is work out what is the probably the best deal for the circumstances that you're on um, and across all of these different um, pr uh, providers, banking and energy and mobile, we all have our own usage patterns. So really understand what your usage pattern is and do a bit of research to find out, okay, on that basis, what's the best price out in the market? Because if you don't understand the value of what you're paying, then it's really hard for you to actually understand whether you're going to get good value when you go into mm. any kind of negotiation. That's kind of like a basic of, of negotiating um, tactics. And if you've done that research, again, like you, you described, Blaze, you can be in a position where you're actually going to be able to compare apples and apples because you need to know uh, so, some of the industries it don't make it as easy as it could be for you and energy's fallen in, into this trap over the years and, you know, paying for, you know, off off peak and peak and then what time does that kick in and, you know, your usage across those different time zones, that can be a little bit um, tricky to, to work out perhaps. So they've, they've definitely there's been some moves to, to make that a, a, a simpler kind of understanding for the consumer. So you need to be able to compare apples and apples. And then, then thirdly, it's about how do you want to choose to connect to your provider? So Blaze, you talked about live chat and really that is becoming in the last few years a much more, much simpler way of contacting mm. uh, an organization because you don't have Easy. to have the um, potentially the intimidating phone call. Um, I'd always say the phone call is the best and most direct way to get an answer um, because you can, you know, sit there with a, a couple of notes and ring up and talk to someone and, and hopefully that person can, can answer your questions and, and get you through to, you know, the, the deal that you want. But live chat's popular. It also allows you to do a little bit of online checking whilst you're on live chat. And that's another mm. slight advantage of live chat because you've got a bit of a grace period to answer questions, whereas on the phone you feel like, okay, I've got to have my um, answers ready to, to go every with every question. But live you're chat just gives seat. you a little bit more flexibility to, um, if you learn a little bit of information, to just go and do a bit of checking perhaps on the company's website or another website. And look, lastly, always start by talking to your existing provider. Um, and again, Blaze, I think you, you did this. You talked to the current um, uh, service provider and see what deal they can offer you. Because if you don't have to move, you you really are at a bit more of an advantage because you don't have to go through the whole setup account setup process with a new provider, which is the handing over of personal information to another company. If you can stay with whom you are, life's just a little bit easier and also less time in the in you know in the mix for you to to um, to save the money. If you can save ten dollars with the current provider versus going to a new provider to save ten dollars, you know you you know without any question, without any shadow of a doubt, it's better to save that ten dollars with your current provider because they've already got all your details. They'll just change your account plan and away you go. You haven't had to do any more. Um, switching, of course, involves a lot more effort, which mm. if you can avoid. And I think, you, you know, talking about how to negotiate, it's, it's really that post-negotiation uh, satisfaction level. 
that that high that you get when you walk away going you know i've i've just saved myself a bit of money um mm. i i feel i feel better in myself i've achieved something today um and the sun shines a little brighter when you do that Tim, this reminds me of we had a we had a guest from Scott Work, which is a negotiation consultancy, in our episode twelve. So if you haven't listened to episode twelve, do listen back because it was a really fantastic episode. He taught us negotiation tactics, and one style that he did that I really really liked and has stuck with me, and I've used, is he uh, blames a third party. So he he said if you're nervous about approaching and you want a better deal, say you want on your home loan, he goes you know call up, hey Mr. Bank. My wife has seen that Bank Z has a, has this much better home loan rate and she really wants me to switch, but I said to her, give me a minute, let me call the bank and see if I can find a better deal because then he, in that scenario, he he's providing the solution and he's blaming the problem on his wife. And I'm not saying we should blame our problems on other people, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. Using that tactic was a good way to, you know, relieve the anxiety of doing it yourself. And also you're providing a solution to the provider, which I thought was a really unique and pretty clever way to approach a negotiation deal. That is. That's a very clever way. And, I mean, you can make it even simpler by saying, um, but, you know, Bank Z is harassing me to go with them and they keep offering me this deal, but I want to mm. stay with you. What What can I do? What can you do for me? Without, you know, bringing someone else into that picture, <laughs> wife, partner, <Yes. laughs> you can just say, you know, this other provider, I keep, you know, they've got my email address or phone number and they keep offering me a deal. What can you do? So there's a, there's a few different ways that that actual phone call or that, that connection can be, can be made. And I think people feel like they need to do it if it's a phone call. If they're on live chat or they're sending an email, perhaps you don't need as much background to why you're asking. It's just, I am asking for. Mm. But if, you, if you're talking to a live person, it might make you feel a little bit more at ease by, by, by the, the sort of intro to it being, yeah, something else is going on in my life. Can you help me? I actually remember doing that with my current telecommunications provider. I went to the online chat and I thought, oh, God, he's a dreaded. I'm going to kick some call center. I'm going to enter my details. I'm going to remember some PIN number. And I did it all online and it took about 10 minutes. And at the end of it, I was shocked. I was going, hang on, this is, this is, there's going to be some type of catch here, but it was incredibly easy and painless. So, um, yeah, Ooh. I hope more, more companies do that. Uh, Tim, is there anything, is there anything that you can't negotiate? Well, think you can't you can't negotiate if you're yeah if you if you're looking around and going well actually I'm I'm in the best position that I think I can be in I think it's more about your own circumstance I I, I can't find a better deal out there I so so there's no real point to do that negotiation the other thing is where if you've got multiple products with one provider and they're already saying Hey Tim, you know you've got product A with us and B and C, so we're giving you this this lovely discount. I, I don't know that it's probably you're in a position to go back and say, well, I want more off, because you are actually already being given, you know, some level of loyalty discount, um, and which is actually kind of a yin and yang thing here. Loyalty tax we've been talking about, loyalty discount comes mm. in where a lot of uh, Say insurance companies, you've got you, you you can have multiple insurance products with them, and they are giving you a good discount, and you do think I am you are being rewarded for 
uh, you know, buying more than three policies with them. So that's probably a position where you might not, you know, really be in a position, a strong position to go and negotiate something less. Everyone's got a make sense, Tim. And uh, sometimes you can you can push your luck. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can push that, that it. Good... But, you know, there's an old adage, right? They, they can only say no. And, and if you want to ask, you, you should ask. If no is the worst thing that can happen. No, yeah. Look, if you're not afraid of no, maybe that should be the title of this podcast. <laughs> Do not be afraid of no. <laughs> yes, I love if, it. If you're not afraid it, of no, you may as well ask because you could be getting yourself a better deal. And no Absolutely. is nothing to be afraid of because everything just stays the same as it currently is. So no. you can either get a no or you can get it can be better. Or you can walk away feeling pretty happy with yourself. And if you do get a no, you should still be proud of yourself for taking the initiative to and, and having the confidence to approach your provider and also taking the initiative to be better with your finances and to find yourself a better deal. So really, if you do get a no, it's still a win because you've still done something for yourself because you're going out, you're putting yourself out there for it. Absolutely. And that no today might be a yes from someone else tomorrow. So if you've got the confidence to ask um, when the time comes on each of the different you know, service contracts you've got, um, it, it, one no doesn't mean everyone else is going to say no. Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When it does come to checking, is this something that so, I mean, we've we've spoken a lot about things like insurance and phones, which are either paid, you know, monthly or they're usually annual premiums. How often should you be checking to see if you're, if you're, if you can get a better deal? Is it something that you set a date in the calendar for and you check every mm. policy on that day, or is it every time it renews? How, like, what's a good way to go about checking when mm. when you can be getting a better deal? It, it will differ based on the um, the relationship you've got. So uh, a, a number of contracts and policies are on an annual renewal rollover basis and their price mm. may change when it hits that, that renewal date. Um, so you absolutely need to know when that is. Um, some things are on a rolling, you know, just auto-debited off your credit or debit card. They're... Um, just paying per month and they creep the price up uh, maybe on an annual basis or, or, or an ad hoc basis. And therefore, there's no potential uh, or there's no actual hard renewal date, but you absolutely should be conscious of, I need to just do a little check-in, say, in a year's time when you sign up to see whether you're still using it, <clears throat> whether the price is still the same, whether it's still valued for money for you. Um, if you're on a really long-term uh, arrangement, such as a loan, um, over many years, then that's that's almost one where you kind of set and forget it because you just keep paying it off every every month or whatever the cycle might be, and then uh, you just don't think about well, am I paying over the odds? So you really do need to uh, create some sort of personal habit of in two years or in four years, I should check this. So, you know, it's going to be different for everybody um, and it will extend over a, quite a different time period based on the different um, uh, commitments, financial commitments that you've got. Well, Tim, uh, a lot of this, a lot of the late, we, we talked a lot today about pick up the phone, right? Having a conversation, 20 to 30 minutes. I mean, who, who has got 20 to 30 minutes these days? You know, I certainly don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm sure a lot of other Australians don't as well. 
And uh, when, it, when you really sort of boil this problem down uh, to its core essence, you know, is the friction involved and the pain and the anxiety to go through the steps to get a better outcome? Because if it was so simple, right, just imagine a world where if it was only a click to get a better outcome, you didn't have to speak to anybody, you didn't have to do anything. Just imagine, just imagine how many people would be going out there and clicking like crazy to get better outcomes. We're not in that world nirvana. yet. Nirvana, that is, that is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> consumer nirvana, but uh, it doesn't exist. Not, not yet. Not yet, Tim. And, and I'm just wondering, this is an important point where you've, you've raised a lot of key items around points of friction, inertia mm. of uh, these institutions, uh, banks, telecommunications companies, internet service providers, all relying on the inertia of you just paying out of that direct debit and not being able to do much. But to, to get a better deal, it does take a bit of effort. What tips do you have for people to overcome this inertia and, and this friction in this process of getting a better outcome? The, the number one tip is to, to, to know when the right time is, to make the phone call or give yourself that 10, 15 minutes. And if you can allocate that almost, I guess, on a monthly basis, you, you, will, you will get ahead. Some, some industries have actually made it a bit easier to switch in recent years. And generally, that's been through government legislation. The mobile phone companies in particular, if you recall, once upon a time, you couldn't take your phone number from company to company couldn't take the same device from company to company. Now, legislation came in to really uh, enforce the mobile phone companies to accept your phone, accept your number, and you can bring your own number to any um, phone company nowadays. So those sorts of things have happened. In the insurance space, um, they've been forced to, or they're now starting to be forced to put the cost of last year's policy onto your renewal policy so that you can see the differential. Right Now, that's a really big thing because if you didn't know what it was you paid last time, if you can't um, go through that little effort of sort of scrolling back through your, your credit card statements or, or your bills, whatever, to find out what you paid before, then you actually are not being made aware. So mm. your real tip is to know what you paid the last time. And I think the next the most important tip kind of leans, goes back to that research. That is to really understand your usage pattern. And if you know what your usage pattern of all these different things are, how you pay off your loan, um, you know, how you use energy, how you phone, how you use your phone, how many shows you watch on some streaming service A, B, C and D and E, <laughs> if you've got them all in your house, you know, one of them might be lying, sitting there dormant, never, never touched. Mm. Um, so understand your usage pattern. And then you'll be a little bit more savvy about which ones you can uh, either cut all together or negotiate, try and negotiate a better deal. Um, the, with a long-term product like a loan, the tip has got to be you, you must keep an eye on it. If you're just watching through the media, general reporting about where interest rates are at, what they might do, are they going down, are they likely to go up, what's going to happen next year or in a few years' time, I know that's not something that's in the consciousness of most people, but they do talk about it in the media. And you do need to have your alarm, your radar sort of going to go, ah, there's you know, my home loan. Maybe I should be thinking about that. And then get around mm. to do something about it. So force yourself to do it. Put a diary note in. Put a time into a, a calendar that says, I need to do this then. The government legislation is starting to move in the consumer's favour, but it's been a long, slow process. 
and they've been somewhat dragged kicking and screaming to to do that because the big service providers have resisted it for so long. But we are slowly getting there in terms of reducing friction points, making it easier to switch. Energy is a good one nowadays. If you want to switch energy, you literally can do it with, with a few clicks. If you tell the new energy company you want to go with them, tell them your account details of your previous, I think they can do it pretty pretty well for you without um, too much effort on your part. So look for some of those frictionless switching opportunities and that'll also help to make it a less painful situation if you are going to change. Tim, so in in summary today, we have discussed a lot about loyalty tax today and how to get out of it and, and all those sorts of things. So in summary... A lot of us, what was the stats? Was it 70%, 80% are overpaying? Yeah, 75 to 80% of people are just sticking with their current provider. So the majority of people are overpaying and not getting the best deal from either their current provider or the best deal in the market. So the best way to do is negotiate with your current provider. Be polite when you are negotiating because you're probably not speaking to the person that made the policy. You're probably speaking Ooh. to someone through a phone call or through a web chat that has no real power on what policy, uh, what the policies are. Um, don't be afraid to ask because if no is the worst thing that can happen, then so be it. But you might get a much better outcome if you if you have the confidence to go out there and ask. And then if you can't get a better deal, shop around. Save yourself dollars because that money that you're paying, the extra money, is better off in your back pocket than it is with an organisation. Would that be an accurate summary of all things loyalty tax, Tim? That's a very good summary. And um, the, the, the sort of the, the thought to leave you with in that way is that when you've made that call and you've got that discount or you've got that rebate, you kind of get a lot of personal satisfaction out of it, as Blaze, you experienced yourself. Yes. So, um, there is really a good outcome here that you are going to feel um, a lot better. And if you've done it a few times and you've added up uh, a saving here and a saving there and it turns into three, four, five hundred dollars saved over a year, that's absolutely a worthwhile outcome. Yeah, for sure. Get the uh, party popper on standby because you will want to celebrate if you've uh, had a successful win in negotiating yourself a better deal. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been really fascinating learning more about the loyalty tax. If our listeners want to find out more about you or get reminded, where can they go? Thanks, Blaze. So Get Reminded is a free app on the Apple and the Google Play Store. Uh, Get Reminded is the app that is going to help you start saving some money on loyalty tax because the whole idea of Get Reminded is for you to have one app that you can put the future date expiry date or review date of all of those service contracts that we've been talking about for energy, for mobile, uh, for insurance, for, poly, uh, for, for loans, etc. So that you get a nudge, you get a little message on your phone and an email that says, hey, it's time for you to review and renew that particular policy contract or document. Yeah, awesome. So get reminded, a handy tool to remind you when you should start shopping around so you can avoid paying the loyalty tax. Yep, search Get Reminded on the App Store or go to getreminded.com. Beautiful. Tim, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. appreciate the time. Thank you, Blaze. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tim. This podcast is produced by We Money. We Money is a financial wellness app. 
It's free to download and free to use and helps you manage your money better. Dan, what have you been using in the WeMoney app this week? In the WeMoney app this week, I have been scrolling up and down the community feature and I've been looking at everybody who's come out of school holidays and you know, topping up again for back to school items, which has been pretty amazing, seeing the awesome uh, mums of WeMoney uh talk about their back-to-school hauls and getting getting inspired, inspired from my little one. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what caught my eye this week. If you want to check out the community WeMoney feature or track your own spend or you'd like help budgeting, if you're one of those millennials <laughs> that would like to use a budgeting app like we mentioned in the news earlier, uh, feel free to give WeMoney a go. You can download it from the App Store or the Google Play Store and if you use the code word PODCAST on download, you'll get $5 when you collect an account. Thanks for listening to another installment of We Talk Sense. We'll be back again next week with another installment of some money news and an awesome guest. If you would like to learn more about WeMoney or download the app, you can do that right now by going to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And if you use the code, referral code podcast, you'll get $5 for signing up. If you'd like to get in touch or have any questions about the show or any feedback, we'd love hearing from you. So please send us a message via our Instagram, which is at getwemoney. I'll chuck a link in the show notes so you can reach out directly. Until then, I hope you have a fantastic week ahead and we'll catch you next time for another installment of We Talk Sense. See you later. See ya. Bye.